For those who have been around the last few weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a series called Meet in the Middle, where we have been taking biblical topics that have been taken to one extreme or the other, and, and we're trying to do the hard work of meeting in the middle and really finding that sweet spot of what God is trying to show us and, and lead us to. And, uh, and so that's what we've been doing, having some fun with that. We're going to continue that today. Last week, we talked about prosperity versus poverty, uh, essentially what we should do with the, the blessings that God gives us, right? How we should steward those things. And we took a little bit of a different approach where we just kind of highlighted each one of those topics and then spent most of our time in that middle ground. And so that's actually a, a similar approach uh, that we're going to take today. We're going to really just kind of highlight the these things and, and really ultimately figure out how they are to play out in our lives and in our perspectives. But today is going to be different in one major way, and, uh, and that is up to this point in the series, um, each week I would say these topics have, have been primarily personal, um, individual-based topics, okay? Things that really speak directly to individual hearts and minds. So we've talked about faith versus works, uh, grace versus wrath, truth versus love, very individual, personal things that we've been talking about. But today, we're going to shift into a more um, church collective approach. In other words, what we're talking about today are things that we're going to have to come together and unite around as the church in order to truly fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us, okay? Uh, the Bible talks about how as the church, we should be of one mind and one accord. We have to be together understanding what he's called us to do. And so really that is going to be our endeavor today, all right? So lean into this. Let's come together and, and agree upon these things and see how they can play out in our context. And so um, today's title is Seeker-Minded versus Church-Minded, all right, seeker-minded versus church-minded. Now, these are really um, different church approaches or, or strategies in many ways. And so if you've been around the church in any way for some time, you probably have a general understanding of what we're talking about. But I really want to dig into these, understand them, and ultimately see how they come together in a beautiful, beautiful way. Okay? So before we do that, um, let's just say a, a quick word of prayer. Like I said, uh, this is something we're going to have to come together on. And so let's make sure that the Holy Spirit is doing his work in and through us to do just that. So let's get our minds ready. Let's get our hearts ready. Let's lean into this with everything we have. So if you could just pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that your will would be done today. And I pray that today, maybe like, like no other, that you would truly unite us in the ways that we're thinking in our perspective of, of one another and what you've called us to do. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive it on good soil, that it can grow and, and flourish within us so that we truly can be the church that you've called us to be. I pray that you would get rid of any barriers, any distractions, and I pray that you would just open us up completely to your word today. Holy Spirit, move and speak in only the way that you can, and we give you all the glory and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, well, we're gonna start with the seeker-minded approach, okay? What exactly is this? What does that mean for us? And so let's start from a very foundational level. Uh, and so a church that is seeker-minded is simply a church that focuses on or prioritizes people that don't know God, 
Okay, that's, that's really the general premise. So, so you would try to cater what you do around the people who are, quote unquote, seeking after God. You're, you're, you're mindful of the seeker, okay? And so your approach is, approach is really geared towards that audience as a church, okay? Now, that could push us into many different specifics around how we should do church services and events and all of that stuff. But here's really where I want to start with this concept today. I want to start by talking about why this has become a, a common approach within the world today, okay? And it has. This is something that's become quite common. Um, in fact, it's a very new concept, only about 40, 50 years old. It's a very new concept, but has certainly seen quite a groundswell. So why is that? And most importantly, um, what foundation is there biblically? for churches that move forward in this way. Is this really something that God is leading us towards or not? That's what's most important, okay? And so to begin to answer that question, I wanna go to three different scriptures, okay? All three of which are the words of Christ. And in fact, all of which are the final words of Christ to his disciples, okay? So let me explain this real quick so you understand what's going on. As we turn to the New Testament, the first four books are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the first three of those are called synoptic Gospels, which simply means that many of the same events in the life and ministry of Jesus are told over and over again just through three different writers, through three different perspectives. So as you read through those books, you'll, you'll feel like I've read this before. You have, okay? It's many of the same events. What I want to do, I want to go to those three books and see the final words that Jesus tells his disciples, because I think we're going to see a very clear theme here that we need to open our eyes to, okay? And so um, let's go ahead and set the stage real quick just before we get into these scriptures. I just want to really, I want you to see exactly what's going on here because I think it's pretty cool. So Jesus at this point, he understands he's about to go away, right? He's about to ascend into heaven, be seated at the right hand of the Father. And so he knows this is his final opportunity to gather his disciples and teach them, direct them on what they should be about after his departure. This is what I want you focused on after I leave you, okay? So maybe you could liken it to uh, if you owned a business or, or, or something like that and and let's say that you had built this from the ground up, you know it like the back of your hand, but, but now you have to go away for an extended period of time, maybe a few months, maybe a few years. How important would that final meeting be with your leaders, with your employees? Like how much would you lean into that? How much would you want them to understand what you're saying so that they're moving it forward in the way that you desire? This is what Jesus is about to unpack for us, okay? So let's start in Luke chapter 24, in verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. So Jesus is saying, I want this to be proclaimed all throughout the nations everywhere. And guess what? You are the witnesses who are going to tell of these things. This is what I want you to be focused on. Okay. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. This is called the great commission. This is who we are commissioned to be. 
It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what I want you to do. Go out and make disciples of all nations. This is what I want from you, okay? Now let's go to to the last one, Mark 16, verse 15. He says this one very clearly, very plainly. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go out and tell everybody about the good news of what I've done for you. This is what Jesus decides to tell them during their last meeting together. Now, are you seeing a clear theme? This is what Jesus is saying. I want you to go out into the world and I want you to tell them about what I've done for you. This is what I want you to be about. Go preach the gospel. Go make disciples. Go be my witnesses everywhere that you go. This is what I want you focused on. Get the word out. Let people know about me. This is what you need to be about, okay? This is what he's telling them. Now, here's the cool part about this. The reason that we know this is really important, the reason that we know this is as significant as we think it might be is because this doesn't just stop with the words of Jesus, It doesn't just stop there because guess what we see all throughout the book of Acts? This is exactly what the disciples go on to do. This is exactly what they are about. They were consumed by spreading the good news of what Jesus has done for them, laying down their lives for that very same cause. They were picking up what Jesus was putting down. We have to be about this if we are truly his disciples, okay? And so the question begs, if this is what Jesus was about, And if this is what his disciples were ultimately about, should this not be our focus as well? Is this not our mission? Is this not our calling as well? And I believe the clear answer to that is yes, this is our mission. This is our calling. This is as important as it would seem to be in scripture. And so as a result of of that foundation, a seeker-minded church would lead you to say, listen, we need to prioritize the expansion of God's kingdom. We have to prioritize the growth and expansion of the church. Go preach the gospel. Go make disciples. Go be my witnesses. This is what we should prioritize and be about as the church of Jesus Christ, okay? So this is kind of the foundation of this premise and and what this ultimately means for us. Now, at the surface, that seems really simple. That sounds really easy, but I do want to open the door to some of the Um, some of the potential downfalls that can come with this concept, because I do think that we need to to really understand this. Should we always be about the expansion of God's kingdom? Yes, absolutely. But I do think there's some times where we can get into hot water if we're not careful in how we do this, okay? And so I I think an imbalanced seeker approach can very easily lead us to be man-centered rather than Christ-centered, Okay, I think this is the danger where we begin to make it all about man and not about Christ. And when you begin to think about it, that makes sense, right? If our sole purpose is to cater around people that don't know God, we might be doing things that attract people and appeal to people, but don't necessarily glorify God. And that is something we need to be very careful about. That is no light subject. In fact, I'll just say this right here now. Our number one thing, our number one priority is to glorify God. That stands alone at the top of the list, okay? So really the question we should be asking ourselves is, well, what ultimately glorifies God? 
What can we do as the church to ensure that we are bringing the most glory to God? Because here's the truth. Nowhere in scripture does it say our mission is to simply draw a crowd. Our our purpose is, is not to appeal to the masses. Our purpose and our mission is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and faithfully make disciples of all nations, okay? So we need to prioritize this while ensuring we're not compromising any of God's word in our approach and our strategy. Okay, so this is, this is the general build out of a seeker-minded approach and the highs and lows that we need to be aware of there. Okay, so let's quickly shift over to our other topic and let's discuss what a church-minded approach would be. Now, you're probably already beginning to, to put the puzzle pieces together, but let's dig into this and really understand what this means. A church-minded approach is simply an approach that is more catered to those who are inside the doors rather than those who are outside the doors, okay? So I almost called this um, the spiritual growth church because really that's, that's ultimately the goal is to be focused on spiritually growing the people of God in the way that they should go, okay? Now, in view of what we just talked about in Jesus's final words, this might seem a little bit um, selfish or short-sighted on the surface, but it's, it's not nearly uh, that at all, okay? And so let's talk about this. And let's first go to Ephesians chapter four. And so uh, let me set the stage real quick so that we really lean into this. Ephesians four, Paul here is writing to the church in Ephesus. So he's writing to the church. And at this point, he's writing about the church, okay? So he's kind of laying out this foundation that we need to understand. So he talks about unity. We discussed that, how we have to be united together as God's people. He talks about spiritual gifts and what those are and what they mean for us. But then we get into verse 11. And so this is where we need to lean in. So follow along with me. It says, and he, speaking of Christ, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Now, real quick here, this is really Paul's model of leadership. That's really what what he's showing us here. These are his leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's what he's saying. And so what are leaders to do? So this is what we're gonna get into starting in verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love, catch this, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So this is what Paul is kind of laying out really as as the church should operate. And and really what he's saying is the church isn't this surface level one trick pony, okay? There's some complexity to this thing that we need to be aware of. And, And one of those complexities is that the church should be a deep growing concept. That's what it should be where we're equipping people for service where the body is being built up and, and matured, which should be growing in unity and knowledge. And catch this, all of those things are inward actions that apply to the active body of Christ, to, to people that, that know God. So there must be focus and attention there as well. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're building a pool that's a mile wide and an inch deep, 
right? Like there's, there's no depth, there's no substance. And where there is no depth, there is no sustainability. And that's a problem, right? So, so you have to build a church in a way where there's depth and there's substance. Otherwise, you risk creating a bunch of tired, shallow Christians that don't know anything about a true relationship with God. They don't know anything about true commitment to him. And they don't know anything about what true mission actually looks like, okay? And unfortunately, this is something that we see far too often in our culture today. This is a, a serious problem that we see. In fact, I would encourage you to go read the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. You can write that down and go back to it. It'll take you a few minutes to read through. But this is absolutely what we're seeing in our culture today in many ways, where people are receiving the word of God and, and initially there's excitement and there's inspiration, but as soon as there's resistance... Right? As soon as there's another option on the table, they're gone. There's no root, there's no foundation. And this goes completely against the instruction of the Apostle Paul. In fact, that's what he's trying to fight against, right? You gotta, you gotta be rooted in something, okay? In fact, let's go to Colossians 1, 28. This is again the Apostle Paul, again talking to the church. He says, him we proclaim, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We have to present everyone mature in Christ. So listen to this, because this is significant. Um, you could argue that Paul is the greatest apostle to ever live. It's a pretty strong argument that you could make. He goes on to write nearly a third of the New Testament. So pretty significant stuff. And what he's saying here in, in 1 Colossians is that part of my mission, one of my biggest goals as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to present everyone mature in Christ. It's not just to get them to the doorstep and allow them to walk in. It's to carry them through the entire journey that God has for them. This is what we must be given to. And I promise you, if that was part of Paul's mission, if that was part of Paul's goal, it must be part of ours as well, okay? And so this is something we need to be given to as well. So let's quickly talk about maybe some of the pitfalls with, with this as well, because I do think there are some serious things that we need to be aware of here. And so let's go ahead and just hit this one head first, okay? Um, do you know, listen, do you know how easy it is to create church, and, and I'm not just talking about Sunday services, I'm talking about all of it, okay? Services, ministries, relationships, the whole thing. Do you know how easy it is to create church to where it's just all about us? Do you know how easy that is to do? I promise you, we all have a gravitational pull to selfishness, to, to make it about us. And, 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 and before long, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this beautiful message of Jesus Christ and bury it for our own convenience and satisfaction. And, and if you don't believe me, I would encourage you to listen to how some people talk about the church sometimes and, and maybe some of the heart behind what they're talking about. Like sometimes you'll hear about how, you know, big churches are too impersonal, right? Or small churches can sometimes be a little awkward or, or the worship's really good here or, or the messages are really good here as if church is this buffet where we get to handpick our wants and desires. Is that what the church is? Is, is that what this is about? Or is it about every one of us jumping in and getting our hands dirty for the mission of Jesus Christ? And so I think that there is this powerful mindset shift where we have to understand that this isn't all about us. It's not all about what we can get and what we can consume. That's not what it's all about. And I would just encourage you to go look at the life of Jesus or the lives of his disciples to see just how prevalent this is 
in scripture, okay? Now listen, is the church for you? Yes, absolutely. The church is, is for you. We are for you, but that doesn't simultaneously mean that we are about you. And so easily we can get that twisted, okay? So we have to be really sure that we are always about God's desires rather than our own. And we just have to see where we fit into his plans, okay? So what we're seeing here is that there is this delicate balance that we need to try to strike to where we are growing, we are expanding God's kingdom, but we're also maturing and developing as his children as well. And so how exactly can we strike that balance? What do we need to do to ensure that we are acting within the will of God with this, okay? And so this is what I wanna spend the rest of our time talking about today. And, uh, and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about three things that we must prioritize as the church, all right? Listen to me. Again, I said we got to come together, unite around these things so that we're truly pushing the mission forward. So these are three things we always need to prioritize. We always need to be about. And that includes everything, services, events, ministries, leaders. We have to be about these things, okay? So let's first start with this. And this is honestly the most important one. Normally I wait till the end for the most important, but we're going to start here because everything else we talk about has to come through this one filter, okay? And that is we must always remain Christ-centered. As the church, we must always remain Christ-centered. So listen to me. That means all of this, all of this is about him, it's for him, and it's through him. And that is non-negotiable. That, that is unchanging. That will never change. In fact, that's the reason that our number one value here at the bridge is that Jesus is the center. Everything we do stems from that. That's what we are about, okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. We read this a few weeks ago, but we have to continue to remind ourselves of this. It says, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. Don't try to lay another one. He's the one that we have to be built upon. In fact, other times in scripture, it says that he is the rock that we are to build on. He is the vine that we are to abide in. He is the root and center of everything that we do. And again, that's non-negotiable, okay? So now the question arises, how do we remain Christ-centered with what we do? In other words, how can we always make sure we are about his business and what he wants from us? And so that's where our next two points now come into play. And so let's start with this one. And I'm going in a particular order for a reason, and I think you'll see why in just a minute. But one thing that we must always do as a Christ-centered church is we must always cultivate maturity in Christ. Okay? As the church, we must always cultivate to where we are growing and maturing children of God. That's something that we must be about. Let me remind you of Colossians 1.28. It says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is our goal, presenting everyone mature in Christ. In fact, watch what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. Like, let's, let's move forward. Let's grow. Let's develop. This is what we must be about if we're truly his children, okay? Now, the question begs, what is spiritual maturity? Like, what, what exactly is that? What, what does that look like so that we can kind of gauge where we're at on this spectrum? 
Well, I want to go back to Ephesians 4. This was the build out of, of, of Paul's church idea, right? And I want to show you what he says spiritual maturity ultimately looks like, okay? So here it is. This is what spiritual maturity is. It's serving. It's building up the body of Christ, attaining unity and knowledge, and speaking the truth in love. Let me say that again. Spiritual maturity is serving, building up the body, attaining unity and knowledge, and speaking the truth in love. That's what spiritual maturity is, okay? Now, what does this ultimately lead us to? And I think there are two things that we need to really be aware of here. And the first one is this. I think this means that the church is also for us. It's, it's, also, it's also for us, for the body of Christ. I believe that it's, it's for the members of the body. And I hope, I really hope that all of us have experienced that at some point. Like I really believe whether we're pastors or leaders or volunteers or attenders, whatever, we all need the church. We need one another, right? We all go through those times of discouragement and doubt and, and go through the seasons where we're just tired and, and worn out, the ups and downs of life. And that's where the church is there to assist. In fact, you know, if, if I'm going through a season like that myself, I'm looking to you guys to build me up. I'm looking to you guys to help carry me through that. And so absolutely the church is for us. And we shouldn't shy away from that. I'm serious. We should cultivate maturity. We should cultivate relationships. We should be for one another. I think that's what spiritual maturity certainly helps in. But here's the second thing. And this is where we really take an important turn in this concept of the church. So lean into this, okay? Now, did you notice that, that all of those maturity traits had one common thread going with them then? Did you notice that every one of those traits happened to do with other people rather than ourselves? Did you notice that selflessness there? Serving others, building up others, being unified with others. In fact, even the pursuit of knowledge is so that we can speak the truth in love to others, okay? And so there's this level of selflessness that we need to be aware of. So catch this, maturity ultimately leads us to a place to where we realize this isn't all about us. A mature Christian realizes that church is not all about them. And so here's, here's really the magic of this design of the church in the way that God intends, okay? So, so catch this. Mature Christians, realizing that it's not all about them and it's not all about what we can consume, are ultimately caught up in this one final point, brought to this one final realization, and that is that we must prioritize what is lost. We must prioritize what is lost. So initially that may not hit home for you, so let me explain what I'm talking about here, okay? Because this is a, a theme in the New Testament that we see over and over again. In fact, if you go to Luke chapter 15, you can write this down and, and go read through it later. Uh, what we see are three different parables, three different stories that Jesus tells all about this one concept, okay? The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now catch this, the premise of each of those, catch this, is that God absolutely, irrevocably loves what is found. He, he cherishes, he protects, he cares for that which is found. But the truth of the matter is he prioritizes what is lost. He prioritizes what is lost. In fact, watch what he says just a few chapters later in Luke 19, verse 10. He says, for the son of man has come. Why? Why did he come? To seek and to save that which was lost. This is the whole reason that Jesus came and did what he did is so that he would seek and save that which is lost. And so we have to prioritize this. 
We have to be about this to ensure that we are about his business. Now, I want to play a quick video for you guys to really help you hone in on what this means and what this looks like. Because I think this is going to be a really beautiful picture of what it means to truly, truly prioritize what is lost. In fact, I want you to think about the analogy that's being laid out here so that you see what the church should ultimately be about. Let's go ahead and play that. I actually um, lost one of my kids once. Um, and I know it's kind of funny now, but it wasn't funny then. But um, I have five kids, and, um, and I know that's a lot. I don't know where the line is, but we crossed it. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot. And <laughs> I always get a reaction, too, with five kids. And I always tell people, I don't have five kids because I like kids. I have five kids because I like my wife. Come on, somebody. But anyway, that's a different conference. We'll come back to it. All right? But but uh, I, we, our youngest, we have a daughter, then four sons, and my youngest son is autistic. He's on the autism spectrum. And we were actually uh, on a vacation, a holiday in Vail, Colorado. We were just doing a skiing for a few days. And, um, and we decided on the last day that we were just gonna hang out in the village and just you know, go through the shops and not ski for a day. And we were traveling with a couple other families and, um, and so anyway, there were 20-something of us kind of trying to stay together as a group best we could. And we started the day going into a Starbucks coffee to get a coffee. And my youngest, Joseph, my little autistic guy, um, goes into the toilet and dis- doesn't tell anyone. And we had just finished getting our orders. And so we were leaving as he was going in. But again, no communication was taking place. And because there were so many of us, we didn't even recognize that he didn't walk out with us. But we literally came out of the Starbucks and we went into to the next store down the, I mean, literally the connecting store was, a, a, was an ice cream store. We were gonna eat our way down the street. And, then, um, and so, so we'd gone in there, but when Joseph comes out and he doesn't see us, he actually goes in the other direction. Um, this, this happened to be at that time a pretty dangerous place. In fact, just that week, a 14-year-old girl named Heather was abducted from that village and they found her dental remains in the mountains. And I remember as soon as we noticed Joseph's missing, my mind goes to that story. And And I tell you, I freak out. I'm freaking out, freaking out. And I look at everyone, I say, where's Joseph? Joseph's missing everybody. And like we had pre-planned it, everybody went into 20 different directions looking for Joseph. Uh, I find a security guard, he's leaning up against the building with his arms folded. And I frantically go up to him and say, sir, 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 you've got to help me. My, my, my little boy Joseph's missing. You've got to help me find him. He's about 12 years old. He's got little reddish brown hair. You've got, and he never unfolded his arms. He just stood there. And he says to me, he goes, he goes, well, did you look the last place you saw him? Can I confess my sins in church, everybody? I'm like, I'm like brother, you're the one with the gun and the radio. Help a brother out. Help me out. I I need some help here. Listen to me. And I was irritated by his inactivity because something of value was missing to me. I couldn't get him motivated to what was important to me in that moment. Now, this didn't happen, but can you imagine that during the search, one of my other children came up to me like, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, what's for dinner tonight? (laughs) That's a great question if Joseph's not missing. It's a horrible question if Joseph's missing. And can you imagine perhaps maybe what our prayers might sound like to God sometimes? Hey, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, really? You wanna talk about that with five billion people who are lost right now? That's, that's what you wanna talk about? Come on, is this okay to talk like this? 
I'm telling you, he's, he's distracted by that which is lost. And there was never a moment during looking for Joseph that I thought, I have four others, 80% ain't bad. You know, like, I, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think that. In fact, I didn't even care about my other four. All I wanted was Joseph, and it was only, it was, it was 25 grueling minutes. In fact, I saw him first. He crossed this little stone bridge over a little creek. I'll never forget, it's this branded in my mind. It's this little stone bridge, and he was, his little red, his face was red from crying so much, and he was just looking side to side because he really can't communicate that well, just frantically looking for someone, and I yell at him, Joseph! And he, he looks up and, and just makes this mad dash to me, Daddy, Daddy, where were you? I said, son, I've been looking for you all, this whole time. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm telling you, Pastor Brian, I'm a different pastor ever since that moment. I tell this story in every one of our membership classes. I tell the story of Joseph, and I say, look, if you're looking for a church that can only just takes care of you and your needs, you found the wrong one. I mean, we'll do everything we can to bless you. We're trying to, but, that, but we will do anything short of sin to reach as many people as we can because Joseph, come on, somebody, Joseph is missing. We've got to find, we, we've got to find Joseph. Come on, it's okay to clap for that. I love that. I love, love, love that. Puts it in a totally different perspective as to what God might be thinking about his church. I believe this is the heart of God. I believe that he wants us to prioritize what is lost. And catch this. This is the key, okay? This is the key. He has called and he has equipped us. Listen, listen. Equipped us to do that work. In other words, his plan, his strategy to reach the lost is the church. And so that means to reach the lost in this community, he's called us to do that. We have to prioritize what is lost. We can't be like that security guard who's just casual about the things that are lost. We have to be given completely to this if we are about the mission of Jesus Christ. This is how we remain Christ-centered. This is how we ensure that we are always about his business. In fact, I wanna read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this should get you excited. Like this should, should rev your engines a little bit. Verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. He's trying to appeal through us. Catch this. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Are you catching the urgency there from Paul? Like we beg you, come on, be introduced to Christ, be reconciled to God. This is what we have to be about this must be our heart as the church. We have to prioritize what is lost. And so here's the truth, okay? This is ultimately where we have to land together and unite around this, okay? Listen, as the church, we are absolutely always going to be about building up the body of Christ, okay? We're gonna do everything we can to coach and, and to train to ensure that God is doing what he wants to do through your life. We want you to grow. We want you to mature. In fact, Paul says, as leaders, that's your biblical mandate, that's your biblical mandate. You have to be about that. But here's the truth of the matter. We also believe that we are called to lead in a way that prioritizes the lost. We believe this is who we are called to be. And so that means our church services and in our events and in our ministries, we will always have on-ramps so that people can come to know Christ. Always, always. Now, does that ever mean that we will compromise the word or message of Jesus Christ? Never, never. Does that mean we will ever compromise true worship and true praise to God? Never. 
but we will prioritize the lost. We will go out seeking after those who need him and try to build a bridge so that they can come to find him because this is who we are called to be. This is who he has empowered us to be and we will be relentless in that effort. This is what we have to unite around. There are people out there who are hurting, who are lost and they don't have the answers and they're sitting with you. The answers are with you and it's your job to go out and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ.